questions. The lecture is going to be very short today. We're going to talk about Sphere of Saturn, Kansas 21-22, Part 2. We're going to do a little bit of review for our quiz on Thursday, and then we're going to move forward. Also, make sure that you pay close attention to the quotes that I go through today. As you know, on your quizzes, you usually have five, six, seven, eight quote questions. You're going to really know, want to know who the speaker is, who's being spoken to, what's being spoken about. So make sure that you focus, even though you don't have to write the quotes, you might want to well write where the quotes are and who is speaking and to whom is being spoken and what the topics are. Good, good, good. Okay, just quick review. This is sphere 7 of 10 of heaven. It is the last sphere that will have a shape. It is the last sphere that will have a liberal arts. Is anybody who's thinking sharply today, why would the seventh sphere of heaven have the final liberal art? Yes. Uh, seven days in a week is an interesting idea. Seven is perfect in a way. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. It is the amount that, uh, uh, but I can't quite say it yet. Yes. Uh, seven deadly sins. I mean, you all are making excellent connections to the number seven. Yes. Because it's minus three, y'all are saying intelligent things, but not correct things yet. Yes? Um, because after this, it gets too old to be a Well, I mean, y'all are saying some really sophisticated and intelligent things, but this answer is far simpler than you're making it. I like that you're thinking like this, though. Yes? Furthest away from Earth. These are excellent things, furthest away from Earth. The reason is, there are only seven liberal arts. There are only seven liberal arts, right. So we ran out of liberal arts. But I do think that what you were saying is, correct that these that we are getting farther and farther away from earth and so we are getting farther and farther away from the limits of human understanding i think those are true things to say but far more sophisticated than i expected wow y'all are up there this morning maybe you don't need any coffee good remember the occupants are contemplatives the people who we would say in our californian vernacular are pretty far out dude like they get away from earth they think about the cosmos they're thinkers they I, I remember describing myself as a thinker to the owner of my CrossFit gym my first year as a teacher, and he said, and I had never heard this before, he said, I've never heard somebody describe themselves as that. And I was like, Southern California is a different sort of place, dudes. All right, interesting. In any case, contemplatives, they seem to think about what is most holy. I always encourage you to think about the part of your body, which are called the temples. That's on your forehead. What is in the temple then? Your brain particularly your prefrontal cortex, which is still developing, indicating that possibly the holiest thing about humans is their capacity for rational thought, which, you know, if you ever read the book of John, logos, logos, logos. And the word logos, which is what all things begin with for humans, is the word from which we get logic. And so I'm always encouraging you to be logical. The lo liberal art is astronomy. Liberal art is parallel to geometry. Geometry measures the earth. Astronomy measures the what? The stars. Very good. Very good. So it's like these people, rather than setting the rules of the earth by which humans follow like kings do, what is it that they do? Well, they discover the laws of the wares. The heavens. The eternal laws that exist even beyond humans. That would exist even if humans did not exist, which is a very weird sort of thing to think about. It's almost like humans are a manifestation of the universe's own consciousness in order to understand itself, if you really want to get far out early in this morning. All right, and what is the theme? Discovering wisdom or information, climbing the so-called ladder of Saturn, and then coming back down and distributing that information. I made the claim last time that this is exactly the same as which philosopher's very famous allegory. It is the exact same meaning as that. Anybody remember a philosopher from last year who sounds like a, I think it's a Danish 
uh, Goop company. Yes. It is the allegory of the cave. I don't know how you know that because you had me last year and we didn't even talk about that. But yes, it is Plato's allegory of the cave where a man who is enslaved and can see only shadows on the wall turns around, has a conversion, literally, walks out of the cave, <clears throat> sees the what? The light. And he comes back into the cave. His eyes can't even readjust. He's all weird and crazy now. And then he tries to tell people about it, like Maurice, the, the father of Bell and Beauty and the Beast. Anybody seen Beauty and the Beast before? And he comes and he's like, there's a beast! There's a beast! How's everybody treat him? Like, he's crazy. They want to take him to the asylum, right? And so that's the idea. You go out and learn something new really far out. You come back and tell people. Do they say, dang, that was really helpful. You're really smart. Or do they say, you crazy, man. You crazy, man, is what they say. And we will see that when we talk about Milton. He will talk a bit about Galileo. In fact, he met Galileo. Galileo is the guy who, he didn't invent the telescope, but used the telescope in order to see the moon in a closer way. Saw the moon, realized the moon was uh, physical. Uh, also used the concept of the heliocentric universe, sun in the middle rather than earth in the middle. Proved that the universe looked different from what we thought. Disproved in so doing by some accounts. Many of the articles of faith that people had believed for all time before that, people were not very happy with him. In fact, he was put under house arrest for the entirety of his life afterwards and was made to publicly come out and say that all his research was a lie and was wrong. Not just wrong, but a lie. As if he had been corrupted by evil when really he was just trying to share the what? People always want to hear the truth. Very rarely, very rarely. It depends. You want to hear good truths, but there are plenty of bad ones too. We don't really like those as much. Remember the shape of Saturn is a golden ladder that go uh, up and down which the souls are going, and we are not hearing any singing here, oddly enough. Now, on the one hand, you might think that's because, well, these people need to think. You need silence or a bunch of cacophonous noise in order to think. Silence. That's why librarians always make witch noise. Everybody go ahead and make it. That's right. It's like they're an evil snake wind monster or something like that. And yes, very good, very good, very good. But what is the actual reason why these souls are not singing to us? Because if we were to hear their song, so beautiful is it that it would do what to us? Blow up our heads. Blow up our heads. Very good. And what is the mythological connection we made to that from the ancient Greek uh, myths? Which, which woman wanted to see the glory of Zeus and got blown up? And then her baby had to be tied into Zeus's thigh and became Dionysus, god of the regenerating vine. Anybody remember her name? It sounds like the op or it sounds like the rhetorical device that's like a metaphor but uses like or as. Anybody remember what that sort of comparison is? It's a simile, and her name is Simile. Very good, very good, very good. So the main speakers are Peter Damien and Saint Benedict. Good, 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 good. So we have to move forward. We talked about Peter Damien. We talked about a couple questions like, can we know about predestination? The answer is obviously what? No. Who Do we know the elect who are going to heaven? No. Not even the souls in heaven who can see the future know the future that well. And so can humans understand that sort of thing? No. Peter Damien eventually just gives us his name, and we, we have to settle for that. Great. Good. We then meet St. Benedict, who is the brightest of the lights in Saturn. He comes down to Dante and explains to us that he once fled from Rome due to its corruption. Again, we find out that there was a place that was once beautiful and good, and now it's very much what? 
corrupt. Yes, we've heard that about Rome, we've heard that about Florence, we've heard that about the Benedictines, the Franciscans, the Dominicans. We've heard that about just about everything in Dante's world. It's almost like things come to be, they get better, and then because of human choice, they start to become worse. Though I was thinking about this yesterday. If humans continue to have the capacity to choose and everything around them is getting worse, what could they do? They could make a change. And, but who has to make the change? We do. That's right. You've got to choose to make things better because they naturally become worse. That's even the law of nature. It's called entropy. Things, the moment they are made, start to, de to de degenerate and die. Which is, you know, what, what does the cynical high school student say about life? Uh, it's like, oh, you only live once? I think that's, I, that's not so cynical to me. I think that's good. I think it's, how do you say this? It's always so annoying when I hear this. It's, I've already begun to die. Or, oh, no, no, no. You hear somebody's dying and it's like, we're all dying. Okay, great, good. Yes, yes, interesting. In any case, other contemplatives here are Macarius, the younger, who was the founder of Eastern monasticism, somebody who founded, I always want to say convents, that's of course for nuns, uh, um, but a an abbey, there we go. Abbeys are places with abbots. They are places that housed contemplatives in the Middle Ages. Um, places for thought, places for thought, in fact, the man who came up with the idea of genetics, Mendel himself was a monk, uh, but he lived much after the Middle Ages. Of course, the modern institution that is most similar to, a, to an abbey or a convent where people sit around and think all day is a what? It's a university. It's a university. They're often very beautiful places, too. And Romualdus Deli Onesti, who was a founder of the monastery of Camaldoli. So these contemplative people are people who sort of removed themselves from the world and went to reflect on things. Uh, apparently, that's something that humans do that has some importance. Um, and apparently, according to Dante, potentially even more importance than correctly ruling humans together. It's almost like it's really important for people to figure things out, which makes sense given the fact that we have the capacity to inoculate ourselves against diseases now. It's like, how did we figure out how to cure all these diseases? Usually through pretty weird ways. Usually through pretty weird ways. If you want to understand that, just look at how we figured out how to cure polio. I think we took a piece of a plague-ridden polio. I forget exactly what this story is, but you do know that inoculation comes from putting a little bit of a disease inside of yourself in order for your immune system to become strong enough to defeat a bigger dose of that. And polio... That uh, I think we accidentally figured that out. We often accidentally figure out how to cure uh, conditions. Though, I will say one exciting thing. I was reading the New York Times yesterday. There is a claim made that two people have now been functionally cured of HIV, which is one of the most devastating diseases ever to have hit humans. In fact, it was very, very scary in the 80s, mixed with, um, mixed with flight, our capacity to fly made it be able to fly and go from one place to another. And so it's very interesting. Very interesting. Figuring things out often, even if you don't do it for practical value, does it sometimes end up having practical value? Yes, so figure things out, y'all. Figure things out. All right. I think we went through these quotes. Uh, I don't know how much I want to read them to you. I'm going to read them to you very quickly. Okay, 2258 to 60. I pray you, Father, this is Dante to, uh, to Benedict. 
to satisfy me as to whether I am to obtain so much grace as to see your likeness without concealment. Will I see you? Will I understand who you are? Response from Benedict to Dante. Brother, your exalted desire will be accomplished in the final sphere where all, including mine, will be so. So he says, you will understand and you will be able to see, but you're not quite there yet. You have to get up to the top level of heaven. You have to see things in a different way. Then you will be able to understand the proper relationship of all things to each other. There is perfection, rightness, wholeness for every wish. For there and there alone, every part is where it always was. Because it is not in space. This is the Empyrean he's speaking about. Sphere 10 of 10, the so-called mind of God. Nor has it poles. And our ladder stretches into it so that it disappears from your sight. So at this point, you can look back on what you've seen and you can understand it. You can reflect on the spheres before, but that which is going to come in the future, you don't yet understand that. And that is very much in line with the theme, which is, can we understand uh, predestination or the justice of the divine according to sphere six and seven in a fully in a fully divine way? Answer is no, 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 no. All right, good. Response from Benedict to Dante. I think this is where I was supposed to start, but this is where we are now. Brother, your exalted desire will be accomplished in the final sphere, where all including mine will be so. Okay, okay, I already said all that. Uh, yes, okay, good. The Empyrean, okay, I said all this. Good, okay, Benedict then continues on to highlight the thievery, usury, recall that usury is the act by which you loan people money and charge them interest for that. Um, and corruption of the current Benedictine order. Fairly, fairly typical, fairly typical stuff there. Um, these people are now doing that which would get you thrown down into, uh, well, the eighth circle of hell. Uh, thieves, of course, were eight, seven. Usurers, eight, uh, was it five, three? It's in, yeah, check that for me, please. We didn't really talk about the usurers very much. Um, but yeah, it's down there with the fraudulent. In any case, Benedict continues. The flesh of mortals is so susceptible that down there a good beginning does not last from the oak's first leaf to when it bears an acorn. Okay, people, they might have good starts, but they do not have good ends. People seem to corrupt over time. Even the trees seem to become corrupt, according to Benedict. Not, he's not sounding very happy. Peter began without gold and without silver, and I with nothing but prayer and fasting. And Francis humbly with his community. Peter founded the Catholic Church, now corrupt. Benedict founded the Benedict Order, now corrupt. Francis founded the Franciscan Order, now corrupt. And the thing is, how did they start these orders? With lots of money and, in, and lots of buildings and lots of followers? No, the idea is that they had an idea and they stuck with it and people were... Were, were magnetically attracted to them because of that. The idea seems to be to start something good. You don't need anything but a good idea, which is very powerful, very powerful. And there will be, there are some CEOs that could tell you that these days. Bill Gates, of course. Steve Jobs can't exactly tell you that anymore, but he would tell you that. Um, and who am I thinking about? There's another person that, oh yeah, and of course Mark Zuckerberg who left Harvard in order to found Facebook. Sometimes, you just need a good idea. When you act on it, good things happen. Good things accrue to you. It's not like you have to start with everything in order to get something, which I think is a great thing to remember. And if you look at each of these beginnings and then look again to see where they have got to, you will see that the white has turned black. And of course, this is because of human choices, our degenerate choices. All right. 
Good, 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 good. I'm just going to start the fixed star lecture for you here, and we're going to get to this slide, and then we're going to go write our research papers. All right, to the fixed stars. These are cantos 22 through 27. And this might also show up on the quiz, so don't lose focus yet. Never on earth. I mean, look how beautiful this picture is. Where movements up and down occur naturally, was ever movement so rapid, rapid that it could be compared with my flight? Okay, so we move this pretty quickly. Immediately again. As I hope, reader, to return to that devout triumph on account of which I often weep for my sins and beat my breast. You would not put your finger in a flame ah, and draw it out again more speedily than I saw the sign after Taurus and found, found myself there. So he's getting astronomical again. I'll tell you what the sign after Taurus is. It's Gemini. Gemini comes from the Latin Gaminus, which means twins. The twins, historically speaking, which Gemini comprise are the traditional founders of Rome. Who are they? You would not, not, not Romulan, or excuse me, these are two, not the two founders of Rome, but rather the two twin brothers of Helen. Yes, Pollux and Castor. Pollux and Castor, very good. Pollux and Castor are the twins of Gemini. The two twins, if you remember, and this is sort of sad from book three of the Iliad, she looked for them when she was on the wall of Troy, and she thought that they weren't out amongst the men because they would be ashamed of what the men would say of Helen. Do you know why? They actually were not there because they were already dead. That's right. And now that's a very sad moment because you come to see that Helen, though beautiful as she is, happy life, sad life. Very sad. And it doesn't even it doesn't get better when you get back to the Odyssey and she's taking a penthe or some sort of opiate drug in order to stop crying at night. It's like sometimes a gift can actually be a what? A curse. That's right. That's right. You would not put your finger in a flame and draw it out again more speedily than I saw the sign after Taurus and found myself there. O glorious stars, O light which is filled with immense power from which I acknowledge all my genius, whatever it may be. So he seems to think that because he was born when Gemini was in the ascendant, that it gave him poetic and intellectual powers. He's like somebody who believes in what these days? Astrology. Astrology. Very good. Astrology. Rising with you and hiding myself with you, was he who is father of every mortal life when I first felt the air of Tuscany? That's either the sun or God there. And then when the grace was granted to me to enter the high circle in which you turned, it was in the quarter where you are. My soul now sighs devotedly to you that it may be given the power for the hard passage which is now before. This is interesting because this is like an invocation of a muse, but it's invo an invocation to his own inborn talent that is given to him by a constellation in the sky. So, um, not sure exactly what to do with that, but it, this is certainly an invocation. It's like he is, it's like he is uh, singing a song to himself here. It is like he is trying to bring out his greatest potential. And interestingly enough, in your American literature course next year, you will read a work by an American poet called, do you remember what it's called? That Whitman poem, Song of... Oh gosh, it's called Song of Myself. Song of Myself. Didn't read that one? My goodness, gotta read that one. Gotta read that one. All right, in any case, this will be the last slide of the day. So, this is Sphere 8 of 10. It doesn't have a shape, it doesn't have a liberal art. Why doesn't it have a liberal art in the 8th sphere? Because there are no more. There are no more of them. Good, good, good. We've run out. The occupants are the so called church triumphants. 
The ones in particular that we're going to focus on are major, major league apostles, people who supposedly knew Jesus. St. Peter, guy who betrayed him three times and cut off a slave's ear, or a guard's ear. I think it was a guard's ear. St. James, who by some accounts is actually the brother of Jesus. And St. John, guy who wrote about the apocalypse and the most sophisticated of the Gospels, the a so-called Gnostic gospel, not one of the three synoptic ones, Mark, Matt, and Luke. And then, of course, we'll talk to Adam, and he'll tell us, he'll speak to us in Canto 26, just as we spoke to Ulysses, but with an intermediary of Virgil in Canto 26 of the Inferno, and just as we spoke to Guido Guinizelli, also a poet, and Arno Daniel, in his original language of Provence, um, and Canto 26 of the Purgatorio. Interesting parallel there. Then we'll hear Peter, uh, again, he'll get all red, and he'll call uh, the Vatican's cemetery where he lives now a sewer full of filth and blood. So he won't be very happy about that. Ah, yes, the shape of the constellation. This is not technically the shape of it, but Dante will be in his proper element, as it were. He will be in the constellation of Gemini, the twins, and um, according to the note that I read in the back of our particular translation, the C.H. Sisson one, Gemini confers intellectual and creative gifts, which if anybody's got those, it happens to be Dante. All right, and oops. good, 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 good. And this is where we're going to stop today. After you finish with that, pack up. We've got some writing to do.